This is a download from News Talk 106 to 108. To download other programs or for more information, go to newstalk.ie. Yeah, John McCree is uh, is McCree even is uh, you're flying solo today. No, no, uh, no, Jess with you today. But uh, yeah, it's a sausage fest. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what yeah, okay. a sausage for? Actually, yeah, I shouldn't ask that. No, maybe not. By the way, just before I come to you, um, just a couple of texts. Um, somebody has taken issue with me for saying Sir Lawrence. Yeah, look, fair enough. You're right. The text says, where you go with your Sir Lawrence, we don't use class titles in this country. You're absolutely right. We don't. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I should have just said Professor uh, Lawrence. Uh, Michael said, very sad to hear about the early death of comic genius Rick Mail. Hard to believe, considering he quite recently appeared on RT's excellent and hilarious Damo and Ivor, which I think was probably his final TV comedy. I didn't realise he was in uh, Damo and Ivor. But in his side news, were you a, a Rick Mail fan? Uh, yes. Young? Yes. Um, uh, what was that one? Something, young one? something Fred. What was the one? Uh, Drop Dead Fred, yeah. Oh, yeah. Drop Dead Fred was a good film. I, I was a big fan of the young ones, though, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he was a bit of a... But it is uh, sad it, news, and sad news as well, he is so young. What was the what was, what was was his character in Blackadder? Um, Captain Flashheart. Captain Flashheart, yeah. He was brilliant in that. Oh, I'm going to Google some yeah, of those that, cameras. I, I, um, I was well, what happened to him? I, I actually, because I was preparing for the... What happened to him? We, we don't know. Don't know uh, they just know that it, foul play is not, is not suspected in any way, but okay. it, uh, he seems to have died suddenly at his home. And at oh, the age of very funny 56, man. yeah. Um, anyway, look, let's... Uh, let's turn to matters technology yeah a supercomputer becomes the first to convince people that it's human yeah so this is a, I mean I, I'm a bit of a geek in, in some respects yeah, right? I'm not a yeah. full-fledged I, when I, you cut uh, me I don't you're bleed pretty close but uh, this is a phenomenal idea that came out from a guy called Alan Turing who's sort of the godfather of artificial intelligence yeah he was um you know, one of these guys is very smart working in Bletchley Park in World War Two, sort of beat the Enigma machine um, for the Germans. You know, the Germans came up with this way of encoding messages to each other. And it was one of the real problems of why the the, the, the Allies were having real problems beating the Germans. He managed to decode it. Yeah. And he didn't get any credit for it, partially, I believe, because uh, they obviously didn't want to let everyone know that they had this um, sort no, of decoded. No, in fact, I think they let Coventry be bombed rather than actually reveal that they had the... Uh the code breaking because it would have tipped off the Germans that they had it. Yeah, is that right? Well, um, Turing came up with this one of these ideas, um, and the idea was um, that it's very difficult to understand what is human. And his question is, what is human? Uh, uh, if if it looks like a person, if it sounds like a person, if it feels like a person, is it a person? And so he came up with this theoretical test, right? Because in those days, he didn't have computers that could be tested. He said, if we get to a stage where we can sit a person down and in front of them was a screen, and behind that screen is one computer and one other human being, if by passing messages through that screen, the person can't tell which one is which, then we've reached a, a very interesting state, and that's called the Turing test. Basically, if a computer can pretend that it's a human being and be so convincing that even another human being can't tell, then what, what does that mean? So this is the very first time that tests have been passed. So uh, numerous um, attempts have been failed. I actually interviewed Professor Noel Sharkey at the Cheltenham Science Festival this week, and he said he's, he's, he's been on the panel many times for this celebrated test that happens on, on Turing's uh, birthday, I think it is, every year. And he said... Um, Usually it takes about three seconds to tell which one is a computer and which one's a human being. Mm. It's very, very quick. Um, but the programmers in this particular case, uh, Russian programmers, uh, posed as a 13-year-old boy rather as an adult. So, you know, and trying to create a computer program that sounds like a 
13-year-old boy would be quite simple, I would have thought. It was, you know, just have three answers. I'm going to my room and leave me alone. <laughs> and then and then you'd be able to, you know, convince the world that you're, you're actually a real 13-year-old boy. But, but, but basically, they gave uh, five minutes with the computer and um, they had a panel of, of, I think it was five people, and 33% of them, which is what, what, what was suggested at the time, couldn't tell that that was a computer. So well, that's a really interesting idea, and particularly mm. when you think about all the um, on the internet, all of the computers that are talking to us in different ways. So I was speaking to um, a professor in the Trinity College quite recently, and he was saying that in uh, Norway and Sweden they're developing technology that has a fake computer voice go hmm in the middle of your conversation. So if you're talking with a computer, you know that when you ring up and says, please dial five for um, marketing, and you ring through and they say, we're waiting to have a look at your message. You know, this sort of like half yeah. computer, half human sort of voice. Yeah. They've now got, you're doing it now, they've now got um, technology <laughs> that listens to mm. you, the tone of your voice, and then it goes, huh, huh, because it's, it's sort of disconcerting talking to, to emptiness for a long time, because yeah. the human response, see, you're doing it. And so, like, huh. there are lots of robots out there pretending to be humans that we're unaware of. And this is just the next step. So I thought it was a really interesting story. It's, it's completely so won't help anyone with their smartphone, but I thought it was a really interesting story. Are we getting to the point where, what, what's the, the film um, I was quite taken with, Whacking Phoenix recently, where he falls in love with her. Her. Where he falls in love with his operator. I don't know if you've seen it. I really. have. I loved it. I really liked it. I, I, I know other people who didn't get it at all and didn't like it, but I was really uh, quite taken by it. But are we getting to that point then? Well, I mean, the concept of that movie is it's a guy who basically starts to have a relationship with an operating system. And the operating system is geared on his personality and his likes. And actually, there's a lot of software and a lot of artificial intelligence right now doing that very thing. So uh, a very basic example might be SwiftKey, right? So on my phone, when I go to type a message, my phone suggests things to, to, to text based on what I've texted to other people. So it's sort of learned to my personality, the sort of mm. things I'm likely to say, the certain, you know, certain people I'm likely to call certain th- offensive things because I'm close to them and I find that funny and I'll find my, my phone suggesting these things when I'm texting them. So, you know, a learning our behaviour and that idea of big data in the cloud um, is informing technology in a very interesting way and, I, I, I mean, it's theoretically possible, I don't see why not, that you could fall in love. I mean, if, if a computer programme gives you everything that a human w- would apart from the physical touch, yeah, theoretically possible. Sad, but theoretically possible. Yeah, um, I'll give you that one. Yeah. Uh, by the way, any text for uh, Jonathan Sentiment five three one zero six at a cost of, te- uh, cost of thirty cents. Just a couple um, to throw to you before we move on, Jonathan. Uh, Deck is wondering, can he get RTE Player on his Sony Smart TV? Uh, yeah, you should be able to. Um, I, I think you, you know. Uh, my understanding is you can get it just through the your your web browser. I don't see why there's a problem with that. Um, RTE Player is available as an uh, Apple app. I don't know. Let me check and see if it's available as a um, an Android app. I I, I would have yeah. thought they would have done it by now, but uh, can you not just do it through the browser? Would be my thought. Yeah, not every smart TV has a browser though. A lot, like my own smart TV is. I'm restricted. To, I can't just surf the surf the net on it. I'm restricted to the the stations that are the right, not the stations, the websites that they offer me, like Netflix is up there, and there's a few, but I can't just go in and search. No, the actually, and you know that's a good point. Um, the, the 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 software in most of those browsers is quite it doesn't allow for a lot of plugins. A lot of it's, it's quite basic what it allows you to do. Yeah. So so possibly not. Um, okay. I I would say I, unless it's apparent, I would say possibly not. Okay. Um, 
just about to upgrade my phone and unsure between the HTC One M8 and the Galaxy S5 or even the S6, which would be cheaper. Which would you recommend? Just going to use the phone for standard stuff, not much into photos, says Jim. Um, the, the truth is that they are all very, um, they're all very brilliant phones. The, the new, newest range, I'm using the, the Sony Xperia Z2 um, because I got it, but um, I would prefer the HTC uh, One M8. It's a, it's a, I think it's just a nicer, in, more intuitive user interface, a UI, as they, the, you know, um, these designers call it. I, I would say borrow someone else's for half a day or an hour, you know, if you're going out with your friends, because they're all what, the you same. Think people could give over their uh, ah, well, you know, like if, if you're, you know, if you're, I don't know, it, you know, if you're, it depends on what your environment is, but sometimes people might let you loan you their phone for for thirty minutes. I, I think, um, I, I think just do a bit of research with them because once you get a feel of a particular phone, you go, oh yeah, I, I see how that works. I don't love the way Sony. I mean, I don't know why, but I, Sony stuff always seems a little bit counterintuitive to me, like PlayStation versus Xbox. It's just the world's apart in terms of, oh, this is where I go. I don't need to think about the Xbox experience, whereas PlayStation just frustrates me all the time. Same with the phone. I'm kind of like, oh, where does this go? But HTC M1 M8, the Sony Xperia Z2, and the Galaxy S5, I think, right now, they're all exactly the same. They're all brilliant phones. They've all solved the battery problem. So I would go with the HTC One M8 myself, but to be honest... Any of those phones is the phone we've always wanted, I think. Okay. Um, can you ask Jonathan if there's an app I can use on my Android phone, Galaxy Note 3, to listen to my iTunes music and audiobooks? There are. Um, I, do, I, I, I'm not sure of the titles. Um, I think someone's put through Easy Phone Tunes, um, iTunes Sync, or iTunes to Android Sync uh, for Windows. I don't know... Uh, sometimes those work, and I, I, a lot of the time, Apple updates um, how things work to make sure that you don't get to do that because it doesn't want people doing that. Uh, but try easy phone and buying a, an Apple phone. Yeah, exactly. You know, basically, you're getting access to Apple's services and network that they've developed, and they don't want they don't want that happening. So a lot of the time, they will change up easy phone tunes, iTunes Sync, or iTunes to Android Sync. Uh, uh, for Windows. For Windows. Yeah, we're, we're trying that. Um, now, speaking of Apple, what's this about the Apple Watch? Yeah, so I just wanted to um, give people an idea of what's kind of going on with Apple because uh, iPhone users or Apple users may be aware that Apple have announced a lot of features coming in, in uh, October um, in iOS 8, uh, including seamless switching between devices like your Mac, your iPad, your iPhone, uh, creating a new health hub, which is the real focus, I think, for 2014 for Apple. Um, so this health hub kind of brings all of your apps together, your activity tracker, so you know how far you run, that sort of stuff, heart rate monitor, blood sugar monitor, sleep apps, and all these other health and fitness apps. How did we ever survive without them? You, you see, you're a bit of a cynic when it comes to the shame. But no, actually, I, I admit some that people who, who well, really, I didn't really. Yeah, <laughs> no, but there are some people who, who uh, uh, get so much out of this to be able to see because sometimes people need a little bit of motivation. And, uh, you know, when you see your developments, when, it's, when you're, you, know, you can track how much you've run, you share it with other people. Like a lot of people I know do, do, do runs and they share with other, with other people. And there's some bizarre apps. I think with the Nike yeah, app. Actually, my friends ever do that to me. Well, well, the, sorry, the, the, I am being cynical. The Nike one. running app, I think um, it's the Nike running app, allows you, if you're on Facebook while someone is actually running, it allows you to send them a cheers to their phone. So as they're running, they hear like a pre-recorded like canned laughter cheers to kind of say, oh, you're doing great running. That is weird to me. But the idea that someone would want to track their, their fitness, particularly if you're training for the marathon, or you just want you, you just want to you know beat your times, you want to uh, map that. So I, I get that. Mm. And, 
and you know this is no joke the you know the jawbone fitbit nike fuel band this new sort of quantified self as it's called the idea that people can use these uh, small wearable technology devices to to improve their health and keep an eye on it uh, they're going to sell 80 million units in 2014 200 million units in 2018 this is a huge huge industry i wonder and how many of those 80 million will actually do any running with them yeah <laughs> that's a really good question <laughs> i got a fitbit and i was like oh this is oh, i lost it is this the 21st century version of joining the gym and then never going to it yes it, I, it, I really would give you you know for 10 percent of these people it is but then other 90 percent people are you know fanatical about running these days you yeah, need, yeah no, you need yeah, a runner yeah. and you no i can i can i can joke aside I can, I can see how, if you are really into your running, it, it would be a, a useful tool. Yeah, so so uh, Apple have been really focusing on this this area because it is so lucrative that people are really into the idea, whether or not they actually, but the really idea of actually monitoring their health. Um, so there's been a huge amount of rumors, but one thing we do know is that Apple's going to be focusing on, on uh, this health hub. And so the development of the iWatch has really been kind of touted. So I just wanted to tell people about some of the rumors about it and see what people think. Like, would they want to wear a, a watch that was made by Apple and connected to their phone? Do yeah, people do, need that? Do you still have to have the phone in your pocket? Or? Yeah. So it's, it's a, it would be an accessory device that would link. So say, for example, on your phone, uh, you'd get a message and you'd be able to swipe to read it. And you might have a pre-recorded r- reply like, can't talk now, in the middle of running madly. <laughs> Um, but it, you know, it's basically a, a quick connection. There's, there's a number of, of rival pieces already made it to market. Sony have one, Samsung have one called the Gear. Um, I'm but pr- I'm presuming, as we go looking years ahead, that there probably won't be any need to have the phone in your pocket when you have that. Oh well, it depends on how small they can they can get these sort of chips. So that's the biggest question. There's an idea out there called Moore's Law that technology will become twice as fast and twice as small uh, every year, and it's actually pretty much doing that. It's doing, you know, it's yeah. it's incredible how small things are going whether or not we'll get everything we need out of a phone is a different question certainly in terms of a camera or a photo or, or being able to see what you're, you're seeing you need more real estate in the actual device but um, Apple's iWatch will, will be a very interesting thing to watch from a technology perspective because some of the rumors are saying that these watches could be up to 1000 euro for for an accessory wow. for your iPhone, yeah, and, and I think if anyone's well, going if to, it looks good enough, I mean, if anyone's going to nail it, yeah, I think Apple will. I think the because people know, pay a thousand euros for a watch, yeah, people pay eight hundred euro for an iPhone. I'd love to hear from from my listeners if this is something that you're interested because in, I don't wear a watch, but I, I you know I don't know how keen people are are to have their emails on their wrist. Is this something that you, you'd be interested in? You can text us mm. for thirty cent. Five, kids three, kids don't really wear watches anymore, do they? No, because it's only like, what do you wear a watch for apart from status? And it's sort of, to me, wearing an expensive watch is sort of like driving around in a Porsche with no, you know, with no roof on and, you know, blaring. I don't know. I don't think it is. It's like something you can, so you can tell the time. It's no, quicker, it's not. It's quicker to look at your a Rolex wrist. Isn't, well, you don't wear a Rolex to tell the time. No, you don't have to wear a Rolex. You can just wear a nice watch. No, I mean, but that's the way you say nice watch. I think it's a status thing. I think it's sort of showing off a little. That's my own thing. People say, you know, uh, there might be an, uh, an emotional sentimentality thing, but I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, but and, and having a big flashy phone is um, less showing off in a, in a less ostentatious way, is it? There's more utility to a phone, I would have thought. I mean, a phone like there's some people who spend 30 grand on a watch you know you know why would you do that just to show off same mm. with 10 grand watches or your Tycoy or your dive watch anyway it's my own little personal thing but uh, we're looking at October and one of the the other um, uh, the interesting things is they're looking at integrating your watch into your home so smart home is a really big thing Google just bought Nest we're looking at the internet of things uh, we've been talking about it for the last 
however long, but now we're seeing new homes being built with all these integrated smart home devices. So Apple wants you to be able to turn on your heating by touching your phone um, or touching your watch, being able to you know turn on your lights, turn off your security, all that sort of stuff. Mm. And I think that's a really interesting uh, development, but I don't think we need the watch for it. But that's that's where we're looking at. It's looking at October, according to, to reports. Okay, what's this about um, Apple and uh, s- streaming voice? What's this about? So, yeah, this is... Um, we didn't get a chance... This isn't a brand new story, I have to confess, but we didn't get a chance to talk to it because last week was the bank holiday. Um, Microsoft have unveiled a, a working demo of a product that's going to be available next year called Skype Translate, and it will allow real-time voice translation of uh, a, a different language as you talk. So as you're Skyping with someone, uh, there's a... Now, I'm really cynical about this. By the way, uh, sorry, uh, Joe is texting. Joe and Lachlan are saying, Shane is cynic. Maybe a Luddite is more accurate, but I'll take that one. We, we've actually discussed the semantics of Luddite and, and cynic uh, many times with Shane. Shane is a sort of a... Um, love-hate relationship with technology, would that be? Yeah, I suppose that's fair enough. Um, but, come here, I mean, why I'm cynical about this one is, I mean, I've used Google Translate uh, with the, the kids' Irish projects and yeah. stuff, and uh, it just, it, it doesn't... Neil Shea, do, good. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Donald be killing Tommy, it's, it's kind of <laughs> Tommy Moonshore stuff, you know? Yeah, well, um, uh, this is why it's so exciting, because it was a live demo of this, and they, uh, um, it was on um, a Recode event, um, where they actually did this live demo where this chap, chap talked to one of his developers in German. Now, she seemed to be speaking like, I am speaking German. <laughs> it seemed very, very clear what she was saying. But, um, but she was speaking in German. She was speaking in German. He was speaking in English. And I have to say, you know, he was speaking with a sort of half American, slightly accented li- uh, um, English. And it got him very well. It got her very well. And did it translate... Yeah, so what happens is um, you you speak and then it translates for them in their ear. It takes about one second to hear a computer voice doing the translation, right? And then you hear back. So there's the pause while you're waiting to hear what they say. It's not, you know, if people, if people are maintaining their romantic relationships through Skype. Um, you know, it, it won't really translate the sexiness of what you're saying to people because you have to sort of wait and listen to a robot say what they're saying. But, I mean, I think this is, you know, the, the fact that if Microsoft are talking about it and talking about releasing it next year, they're very, very, very close. It probably, there probably will be a few bugs with it, but... What an how, how can they get over that, that problem that, that, that I spoke about, though, when you use Google Translate or whatever, that it just... Speak more clearly, Shane. No, no, no. I'm talking about when you type it in, Google Translate, it does not translate it accurately. Uh, it do, when you think about how difficult it is to do what it's doing... I am not, an, I'm not criticizing it. Job. I'm just saying that is the, that is the reality, though. You, I could, find you it could not trust it. Uh, well, trust it 100% no, but for, for a, a, a conversation where if there's something you're not sure about, you can, uh, you can, you can ask them, you know, what do you mean by that? I think, you know, that, that sort of technology is absolutely invaluable. And I think it's, I have to say, I think it's pretty good. Like, I've used Google Translate to decode, you know, when someone sends me a website and I don't understand the language, okay. to decode. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it's okay. pretty useful. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's I think it's a very exciting idea. I'd love to know what, what people's applications would be. Is there someone, is there someone who has a, a friend abroad or, or an um, ex-girlfriend? Or, a, like, what would people's applications be for, for, for having a live translation? I mean... There's lot, I mean, there's lots of ex-girlfriends of mine. Yeah, it could open up a, a lot of overseas romances, I would yeah. have thought. Uh, just um, a few texts. A lot of people who like their watches and they're not happy with you. Uh, right. An Apple I watch for a grand instead of a Tag Heuer. Uh, ha, who, how do you pronounce that? Tag Heuer. Howard. I don't know. F1 co- uh, 
Conograph. I think not, says Paul H. in Dublin. Yeah. And DJ Mead says, it's okay. Us guys who wear fancy watches and couldn't give a curse about Facebook and Apple Nike rubbish think you're a nerd living in an artificial <laughs> virtual world. He says while burning up uh, the, the exhaust of a Porsche driving yeah, uh, around. John and Cork says, on that measure, why would anyone buy nice clothes, art, etc.? It's, uh, it's a matter of subjective taste. Now, hang on, Watch hang out on. for the Apple Watch. Could be huge, he says. It, like, if you're talking about 20 grand... I suppose maybe it is. You know what? You're right. If Once you use that art card, then I, I'll put up my hands and say, I can't fight that. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Sean Scully, he draws squares. I've had it explained to me many times. I don't understand why it costs 10 million for a painting. He just draws squares. But I, I, that's because I'm ignorant and I don't yeah, know anything about are, art. You are a Philistine. Uh, John has texted in to say, can you ask the tech genius, uh, which <laughs> I presume is you and not me. No, he's, uh, he's not here. I just broke my Xperia J. Don't need big pricey phone. So is the M version... Better than another J. Uh, I haven't tested. Jess is the one who's like, <laughs> every time I speak to her, she's like, I'm on the Xperia 45.9. I, I don't know, is the answer. Uh, um, yeah, we might we might try and hold that one for Jess and get Jess to come back to you on, on that, John. Yeah, I don't, there's so many models possible. of the Xperia. I don't know which one is which, sorry. Okay, um, somebody's texting and saying, what's the financial justification for smart technology homes? Surely most features would be obsolete in four or five years' time. That's a, a fair point, isn't it? Well, um, someone um, was joking about Nest, this company that um, Google bought for, I think it was $2 billion. It was an enormous amount of money they paid for it. Um, uh, basically, it, it is an um, internet-connected uh, smoke alarm. So basically, if your house is on fire, now you'll know. <laughs> but like, you know, if you're, say, for example, if you're in Cork and you get an alarm saying your house is on fire and you happen to be, you know, um, uh, your house happens to be in Dublin, then it's not, you know, at least you'll well, know you can ring your house is going on fire. Well, yes, of course. But um, uh, the, the the point, I suppose, is actually, yeah, of course, but also um, these sort of things allow you to monitor other things. So carbon monoxide alarm um uh, letting you know if there's if you're in another room, it could say, look, this room is getting a lot warmer than it mm. should be. Um, I, I think well, I, I think, think his point is it, it's a little bit like you know installing a top of the range music system. They're always advancing, and there, yeah. could, there could be a concern that five years time you, know, you almost need to rip it out and do it again. But that's the joy of technology, isn't yeah. it? It's the, it's, it's, the, it's the joy and the slavery of technology. Sorry, yeah, no, you, you are right. It is difficult. And even with phones, like every, every six months, it did, like I, the new iPhone is out. Dara just got her iPhone. There's a new iPhone out in, in a few months' time. Yeah. Like, oh, go away. Okay. All right. Gives us plenty to talk about, though. Uh, okay, John McRae, thanks uh, as sure. ever for joining us. John will be back ev- uh, on Saturday mornings for uh, Future Proof, as always. Thanks for listening to this News Talk 106 to 108 podcast. To download other programs or for more information, go to newstalk.ie.